Yeah, that's much better. Okay. That's wonderful. I guess those those headphones don't work. (laughs) (laughs) Send them back to the sponsor. Oh, wait. So, so anyway, so I'm going to start from the top here. Tonight, I have my speaker friend, uh, explorer, adventurer, and very hardy fellow, uh, Joseph Michael Kaitsuliu Rokingi. Yes, you heard that right. He has like 12 names. He's like a black polar bear, half Mexican, half Canadian, um, but uh, sorry, half Mexican, half Chinese, but Canadian, <laughs> just to confuse stuff a little bit. And uh, and he's done, you know, he's been a friend for a long time, and he was one of the first people that would come with us on our adventures, uh, backcountry uh, canoeing and camping and whatnot. So he knows type two fun, except he decided to do his own extraordinary adventure. And, and the idea was to run barefoot or semi-barefoot all the way from Montreal to Argentina. Joseph Michael Kaitsuliu, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm, I'm great. I'm great. Thank you very much. Where are you coming to us from right now? So I currently live in Canmore, Alberta, so the heart of the Canadian Rockies. And uh, why did you ever think of doing something as wacky as running barefoot from Montreal to Ushuaia, what was the goal, and uh, and and what ended up happening? You know, that's something that I uh, asked myself multiple times in uh, you know th- throughout the years, uh, and there's no one answer. Um, it's funny. One of the counselors, one of the psychologists that I was seeing in Whistler, actually. He told me that maybe I did that run because I needed to free free up some energy from my childhood traumas. Uh, but um, I've also learned over the, over the uh, the past few uh, years that uh, yeah, I think my childhood was heavily involved in this decision because now I realize that I was uh, you know originally I, I I wanted to have a motive to run and I, I, I found one which was for to raise awareness uh, in improving the traditional methods of education because I think education needs to evolve in so many different ways can I can I add a parenthesis? Yeah. Uh, uh, while you're looking, while I'm, I'm knowing you very very well, <laughs> yeah. or so or so I claim to think. Um, I, I think that it was one of the big parts where this began was that you were already a runner, right? You were, right. Uh, you you did uh, some college running. You were running with college guys. You were uh, doing. Is it not a marathon, but is it like races and stuff like that? Yeah, I, you know, back in Montreal when we when we met, actually, uh, I went to Concordia University, and I I wanted to do something. I wanted to join a team, so I went to the gym, grabbed the pamphlet, and looked at all the activities at university, all the teams that they had, and I saw that the the running club, the Concordia cross country team, was the cheapest. So right. I, I need shoes, uh, yep. shorts, and a shirt, and that's it. You're so like, I could, I could afford that. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I joined the team. I went to my first practice and and they were super welcoming and I didn't feel any intimidation at all. Yeah. And uh and yeah, that's how I started. I got into running and uh we were doing yeah, I was doing I, I was running competing uh varsity level, so it's usually 8 or 10k's. I will I would do also road racing which is 25 10k's, 25k's. I've never de- I've never done a marathon as a race. Right. Uh, during my run, I I ran up to fifty five kilometers in one day. That was in my okay. Okay. So so you say like you say I've never done a marathon, but how many kilometers did you run on your what ended up being Montreal to Guatemala? So it was four thousand six hundred fifty. Uh, 56 kilometers. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. So you didn't run a marathon, but you ran how much? How many is a marathon? Like, like 28 kilometers? <laughs> a, a marathon is 42 kilometers. All right. So, so what? You ran 100 marathons? Well, I was running a half marathon. I was averaging a half marathon a day. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just a parenthesis, you know. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I've never run a marathon. Oh, yeah, but I ran 4,000, 4,600 kilometers. I don't want to, I don't want to take any mileage off of your, oh, no, your, you your journey. Want, you know what? <laughs> I remember one day, it was one of the biggest days. I probably ran like 40 kilometers that day. And, uh, so what country? Had, uh, that was in the US. I was, yeah. pro- I think I was going through Virginia. And I remember I already spoken to a restaurant. I think it was an Applebee's. I can't remember. Yeah. But so the manager's already, the manager's already, already waiting for me with a meal for me. But so I've run already, I don't know, I'm like 35 kilometers in and I have another 10 left. Yeah. And I took the wrong turn <laughs> on the highway and I realized that. After four kilometers after that intersection, so when I realized him, I made that mistake. You're you're already tired. You are like at the end of the, that leg, so you're already exhausted. And then I realized I ran a, an extra four kilometers. So I had to <laughs> run back to the intersection to finish um, the last ten kilometers. Oh no! I was almost crawling that day <laughs> when I got to the restaurant. But yeah, it was it was okay. They were so, waiting for me. So let's let's take everybody through a little parenthesis. You started the run when. So I started the run in uh, July. It was June or July. It was July second, twenty thirteen. We were standing outside the Arcteric store, Arcteric was it? Store in, on Saint Catherine, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, your very good friend had told you that uh, that that being me, right? Had yeah. told you that it was a terrible idea. But you You're wrong with the backpack. But yeah, the backpack. Remember? Yes, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so. So we had news camera people. There was like, was it CBC or I don't know, C, whoever it was. There was a few cameras around seeing yeah. you start on this trip. Now, first, before, you know, another parenthesis, what were you wearing on your feet? So is this running sandals called Zero Shoes? Okay. Uh, so this guy from uh, Steven Sashin from Colorado, he inspired those uh called Huaraches, which is sandal in, in, in Mexico. Um from the tribe Taromaras. So he's he's a sprinter and he's very much into into uh, barefoot running. Yep. And he designed those uh, running shoes. Um uh so it's 
technically a four mil. Well, they have different thicknesses, but the ones that I was wearing were four millimeter uh, piece of rubber, pretty much. <laughs> so that last, they're warranty for five thousand kilometers. A, a regular shoe <laughs> will average between two and five hundred kilometers, depending on the shoe. But five hundred kilometers being the maximum you're gonna get out of a, a sneaker, a running shoe. So I was like, that's gonna be a lot of run like a lot of pairs of shoes for you know for, uh, the right. original the, the original uh, trek was going to be to about 22,000 kilometers uh, right. to Ushuaia so it was like how am I going to carry so many shoes right so it was a logistical issue more like hey I need a solution hey these shoes is <laughs> this is going to be pretty tricky maybe I'll just go without shoes hmm yeah I don't know if that's the first thing that would have come to my mind <laughs> Right. That, I mean, that was part of the decision. But uh, at that point of in, in my life, I was going through, um, you know, just a, a, as any other athlete uh, through injuries. Mm-hmm. So running in the cross country team, you're always going through injuries and recovery, and that's what gets you, you know, it, it slows your your performance. So and and I at work, I remember I was working at a call center doing surveys. I. And on my break, I found this magazine next to me, and there was an article about barefoot running. And I read it, and I was like, "Oh, this is so interesting!" Yeah. It was saying how, you know, it's it's a method of eliminating injuries for runners. But, but at the same time, you came to this epiphany while living in minus forty Montreal, right? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that you would go actually to train for this adventure barefoot in the snow. I did. Yeah, I actually took a full 12 months to train. And, of course, uh, you know, many of those months were winter. In Montreal, as you know, there is a lot of snow. And ice yeah. and sleet and, and yeah. very crappy weather. And yeah. uh, and so, okay, so we're at the Arcteric store. Camera's going. You've got your backpack on. And you begin to do your run. How How far in... Was it when you called me to say I I need a different solution to take my gear? Uh, it was very very early stage. It was three weeks. I ran with that backpack for three weeks. I remember we I had a a heat wave. I was running on on temperatures close to forty degrees. Uh, so I was stopping every 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 chance I had to find water and to spray myself. Yeah, or like a, a little creek or river. Oh, I just, you know. So most of, most of the time you're running on the shoulder of the highway. Correct. My original idea was to run on the ATP, the Appalachian Trail. Yep. Oh, yes. I remember that idea. Yes, Terrible that one. Idea. <laughs> so I'm going to do that. That's why I had my backpack. And that's what, because you said, why don't you just push your gear on that baby stroller? I was like, yeah. I <laughs> Because it looks cooler with a backpack. Right. <laughs> and so, so, yeah. So, when when I get to the U.S. and I, I was about to hop on the ATP, I start bumping into so many people doing so, the trail. So, this is the Appalachian Trail for people that are unaware. And it's yeah. more of a hiking trail that goes over and around mountains. Um, it's obviously like a proper, proper hiking trail. So you're meeting people on the trail and what are they telling you? So they're telling me, you know, there's so many bugs, so many, uh, so many people, the, the, uh, bathrooms are disgusting. 
It's a very, very popular uh, trail in the U.S. A lot of people uh, use that trail as a, you know, <laughs> as a personal. So path. you're like, yeah, wait, 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 you're like highway. Sorry. Yeah. So you said, screw this. I'm going to go to the highway from the forest instead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was like, yeah, people, bugs, you know, disgusting bathrooms. <laughs> like, no, I'm okay. With highway. Give me, give me trucks and semi trailers and diesel. All right, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I will, I will take back roads. If right. I, if I could, I, actually, you are, you're not allowed to run on highways, and because I knew that because they stopped me in the middle of the highway, like the state patrol, the the state troopers will stop me. Yeah. They will ask me, "What are you? Where? What are you doing? Where are you going?" And, <laughs> and you would answer, I'm going to Argentina. <laughs> we, yeah. They're, they're like, we got a phone call of a man on, on the highway with a baby. And I was like, well, let me show All you right. my baby. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. So the parenthesis was that he, he had tried with the, with the backpack. And after three weeks, the straps were all breaking. So he reached out to this wicked brand called uh, Thule, and, was yeah. it? Yeah, and, and he got... Uh, a baby chariot stroller to put all his gear, gear being camera. What did you have? Like food, so water. Had, yeah, I had a, I had my sleeping bag, air mattress, uh, my AirPod uh, tent, one person tent, ultralight. Yeah. Uh, sol- solar panels, water, granola bars, a uh, couple of, of changes. Uh, of clothes. Uh, I had, I had a, a few pairs of my waraches. And and so yeah, you're you're running. You're, there's a guy on the shoulder of the highway running with a baby stroller, barefoot. And of course, everyone's going to think, "Well, that's normal." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they ask you, "Where are you going?" I'm going to Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, uh, some, "We we need a straitjacket." <laughs> some some people will will ask, "How are you going to do that? How are you going to cross the water?" I'm like, mm, it's the same continent. <laughs> <laughs> and and later on, you learned that there are some places where you have to take a ferry and stuff like that. But but when yeah. you're on this highway, um, what the cops would they let you keep running or what would they they do? So yeah, on the highway, no. Uh, so there was um, there was one time where they have to drive me. To the closest uh, exit, I guess, mm-hmm. to to take a back road, and uh, but taking the back road was a uh, like a sixteen kilometer detour. I was oh like, man! No way, I'm doing sixteen kilometers extra. Yeah, like, no. So, um, yeah. So they took me to the next uh, like restaurant. There was an intersection there with a restaurant, and then so so that was that was in. Uh, before entering uh, Texas, uh, in Orange, Texas, yeah, uh, yeah, it was like the at the intersection before Orange, Texas, and then they, someone uh, gave me a lift uh, to Orange, Texas. So yeah, that, that so, section didn't run. So so when you were this, so you're in Texas at this point. You've already ran yeah. across most of the United States, and uh, and you, sometimes you would bank, camp in the background in the backyard of some people. Yeah, actually, the first night was the most uh, terrifying one because so you have all these emotions that you never felt before because I've never done this before or anything. What do you mean? 
<laughs> you never ran 4,000 kilometers? <laughs> right? So you have all these uh, mixed feelings. Uh, and, and then, so the first night is like, so where am I staying? And so I didn't think about that because, I mean, most places are private. You can't mm-hmm. just pitch your tent anywhere. I thought I could, but you can't. Even on the highway <laughs> where there's nothing. Yeah. Like, it's actually, everything is private land. So you can't just pitch your, you, you could, but then, I don't know, uh, you can get shot too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, so the first night I remember I, I, I went to a park and then I found these bushes and I, like, and I just pitched my tent in the middle because I didn't, I don't know, I didn't want to be seen for some yep. reason. Yeah, for sure. Well, I didn't know if it was legal or illegal. So at the first night and I have all, I had all these thoughts in my, in my mind, like I couldn't, I don't know, it was a, a kind of a heavy <laughs> thing to I, take in. For sure, you just embarked on a twenty-two thousand kilometer journey, uh, barefoot to the end of the world. Of course, you're going to be confident and secure about <laughs> all your decisions, and, and not doubting any decisions whatsoever. Right? Yeah. No. It's, so it's, it's that night where everything you know it, it sinks it, in, and it's actually real. Like you're actually doing it. Before it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. But now you're actually doing it. Yeah, and you don't know like it's one hundred percent uncertainty. Like you don't know what's gonna happen the next day. You don't know where you're going. What I mean, you kind of know where you're going according to Google Maps, but you've never been there, right? And uh, and so yeah, at the beginning, single day is one hundred percent uncertainty. At the beginning, when you were, I think you, were, I remember you telling me a story that you had camped in someone's backyard and they like would let you use the bathroom once in a while, or would you knock on the door in some yeah. places? Yeah, so, so yeah, I will knock on doors, you know, and and then they'll come outside and talk to me, and I'm like, it's it's kind of silly to explain what you're doing. So, <laughs> so hi, I'm uh, running to the yeah, end like, of the world. <laughs> how do I say this to not sound crazy? But to just, <laughs> like, there's no there's no like good way of saying it, so you just say it, yeah. uh, and you tell them what you're doing, and it's like, yeah, you know, because you you kind of getting a reading on their faces and you're like, you know what? Why don't you go look me up and then come back and talk to me? And they do that. Right. Because, but at the very beginning, there was not much to look up. But after I'd say probably a month, you had reporters coming to meet you on the highway and then they would give you a ride to a hotel that you would get sponsored. And then you would get a ride back to the spot on the highway that you had left off the day before and continue uh, the run. So, like, there was a big evolution in this trip that went from, like, I might be sleeping in the park next to some hobos or in some random guy's backyard to every night I'm sponsored by a different hotel and restaurants. And if I remember correctly, at the very beginning, you didn't have any money. So restaurants were literally coming together and sponsoring your meal and and waitresses were giving you their tips uh, to help you on this journey. That's correct. That's correct. It, everything happened naturally. Like I remember one of the first days, I ran. I ran through like this very cool area. It had a, uh, it had a restaurant and, and a beach, and uh, and then I thought, what if I spoke to the manager and tell him what I'm doing, and maybe I can get a free meal and saying, you know, I'm here in your restaurant. I po- posted on my social media. Yeah. And and I did, and I got the free meal. And so I was like, huh. 
And I started doing it. <laughs> so I started You're doing like, it. I'm hungry after these first 500 <laughs> kilometers. Maybe I should start using this idea. <laughs> I know. And like you said, you know, I started getting, uh, you know, a lot of hotels uh, sponsoring my night and letting me, you know, shower and, and wash my clothes and rest. And the reporter, uh, the, was it the reporters that would sometimes ferry you back and forth? Or was it an Uber? Or how did, like... So that, so that happened in Mexico. So in Mexico, was a completely different logistics. Um, so I actually spoke to the government of Mexico. And I did a campaign with the, uh, with the tourism board uh, for Mexico. But basically, they, they put us an escort. So the federal police, or one or two vehicles, and uh, and they call Angeles Verdes, which is the road assistance in 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 the highways in Mexico. Mm-hmm. They were always with me, one behind, one uh, in front of me when I, while I was running. And then um, the first few days, uh, you know, they'll I'll finish my run in whatever kilometer. Yeah, and they'll have obviously they have houses and families and they have to go back to whatever they live to sleep yeah but i didn't so they'll go back and then drive back to where i was the next day and they continue for that day without leg and they do the same thing the next day so i was like well i can go with them to the city sleep in a proper yeah. place and then they're coming back anyway so they can right. drive me back to where i left and i started doing that right and uh, and that was a pretty big sponsorship to have the Mexico government come on board. Oh yeah, and it was great. I mean, it was it was uh, you know a win win for everyone because I got to go to all these places and post on social media places that I'd never been, places that not even Mexicans have been. Like there's so many spots in Mexico that are incredible. Uh, the type uh, yeah, <laughs> only only the type of place you discover when you're running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been staring at that monastery on the distance for the last 45 minutes. Maybe I'll stop by and see if they've got a cenote or something. And you know what? I, and I thought about it a lot, obviously, because I had a lot of time to think about, uh, about things. <laughs> you had a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. you know, when I was when I was running, and then when I when I actually when I started getting. Uh, driven back to the city and then back to where I left. Uh, I was on the vehicle and I was like, holy, it's like, this is going pretty fast. You can actually, you you can't really enjoy what you're, you know, when you're traveling or you're driving through places. You don't really get to experience that. And even on a bicycle, when, when you're on a bicycle, like you're going so fast that you don't really have that moment to appreciate what what's actually next to you. Like you're actually when you're running, especially barefoot, you're actually grounded and uh, and and on a bike or in a car. You don't have the time to talk to people that you're passing by. Uh, so it's a completely different experience because so many I, people have tried or done the exactly the same thing on a bicycle or or a motorcycle or a car. Well, you're going a very, very different speed. It almost makes me think of the the tortoise and the hare story for sure. <laughs> but but you did run literally across an entire two countries, 
yeah. and then when you got to Guatemala, um, I'm, you know, I guess one thing from chatting with you in the past is that, you know, you had the safety through Mexico of yeah. having uh, police cruisers shadowing you, being taken to uh, awesome hotels, five-star luxury places of everything in between, campgrounds, whatever it may be, throughout the trip. And then you got to Guatemala, and I guess it was there must have been a significant amount of fear or of just uncertainty of like, well, how am I going to do this this next leg? Um, so what made you what made you decide that say you know in my eyes I had a, a girl on on the podcast the other day and uh, and she was telling me how and I was telling her she's like she did a two hundred day uh, trip a paddling trip across the United States and you had already run forty six hundred kilometers at this point so that's a massive accomplishment in itself. So, so to me, that's that's a, a grand thing alone. But to you, did you feel like you needed to keep on going? That maybe it was time that you had done enough. What what made you decide that running two countries was enough? Uh, honestly, I didn't want to stop. It was a financial uh, decision. Uh, so, yes, absolutely. You know, after Mexico going through Central America, that's a completely, even though I grew up in Mexico, uh, I knew, you know, by just common sense and general culture that some countries in, in Central America, uh, well, there is, it's just, it's just the poverty and the crime rates are higher than what they are in Mexico. As which is, which is already say, telling enough in itself. Yeah. So, especially through countries like El Salvador. I mean, I've never been there, but I've spoken to people, to people in, in Montreal. I, I have so many friends from, from, from uh, some of these countries. And you talk to, when you do a, a you know, a, an expedition like this, you want to talk to local people and see what's, what's going on there and <laughs> what places you should not go, what places is safe to go. Uh, and that's what I did. And, and I learned that El Salvador was going to be probably the most dangerous. And I right. decided to run around it. Yeah. So going from Belize, uh, Nicaragua. Uh, yeah, and try to avoid it. But yeah, but at that point, um, you know, and I couldn't get, I was trying to get an escort, same as, as I did in Mexico, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't, um, get that support. Mm hmm. And, at that time, you know, I, I already made the, the decision because the uh, finances didn't didn't. Add yeah, up. yeah, for sure. It's costly to uh, to maintain yourself every single day while you're you're traveling, uh, eating, and and all of that as as well. Now, I have a funny story. Well, I guess you have a funny story, but it makes me laugh. And uh, <laughs> you're right. How was that story that you called my brother the doctor? Uh, uh, so you, what happened? Do you recall something about a bee stinging? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is <laughs> this is just before uh, arriving to Manhattan, in New York. And that was actually my probably my my first milestone. Uh, but anyway, I was I was a day from Manhattan. Mm -hmm. um, so I had about, I think it was 30 kilometers that day. 
so it was I found these bike paths in between two highways, uh, but covered by huge trees. So you don't really see the highways; you only hear them. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's a beautiful. I don't I don't I don't know. It probably has a name, but I I don't know the name. But anyways, this this goes from north to to. Uh, it enters uh, Manhattan in the northern part of Manhattan. Uh, so I was running there. It was uh, hot. It was summer, so it was a hot day. So I was just wearing uh, shorts and my sandals, and, uh, and I needed to pee. So I stopped, and you know, I found a bush and I started peeing. And of course, I chose the the bush <laughs> where all of a sudden I see all these things coming at me, and then, and then I feel as Super sharp pain, the tip of my penis. No, terrible. <laughs> and yeah, I got stung by a bee and my finger as well. And and it, I was like, kind of almost crying in pain and laughing <laughs> at the same time because it's like, how did I get stung there? And it's funny enough, I recently I've I've read an article in, uh, in uh, National Geographic about. This guy that made study, he will make bees. Uh, um, he'll get himself stung by by bees. Yeah, every single part part of his body to rate and realize which one is the part of the body that is uh, more painful, and, and and guess which part of the body is more. Painful. I'm sure you know. <laughs> no, it's actually the inside of the nose. Well, oh, like study. Right. Well, okay. All right. Well. But anyways, yeah, I remember. So I, I had that. It was so pain. It was so painful. So what did you do? I, I called your brother because he's a doctor, and because I didn't know, you know, I never had that before. I don't know if it was dangerous. You know. I don't yeah, know. yeah, for sure. But, <laughs> am so I, I still asked, going to be able to have children? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, am I going to be okay in the future? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How's my future sex life? <laughs> So he said, are you allergic? I'm like, no. I was like, okay, you'll be fine. You can just, you can just take these for... for uh, no, but he said, oh, you know, first of all, don't send me any pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, you know, you'll be fine. And right. take these for the pain. And uh, yeah, very, very painful. I actually stopped running that day and I just took the subway to uh, downtown Manhattan and then yeah. took that, that day off. And yeah, I, I remember that day. I think I, I cried in, in the middle of my, uh, downtown because I realized that I ran from Montreal to New York City, right? Which was, uh, you know, it kind of like at different points of the the uh, trek, it just hits you, and it's like, holy! Uh, I've done I, something pretty crazy. Now yeah. you you've done some other pretty wild stuff with me in the past. Where, <clears throat> excuse me, we've gone on sea kayaking trips where water got into your dry suit yeah. and we're in northern Canada in James Bay in November when the ice is freezing on the bay because at that section of the bay there's a lot of uh, non-salt water. So, And, and when, uh, when, or, when all the locals are, are telling you, what are you guys doing? Do you yeah. know that anytime you're going to have two inches of ice and you won't be able to come back? <laughs> and that, that all the locals is like the 20 people that lived in Chisasabi or where was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chisasabi. <laughs> and uh, and then they're like, you know, you guys are that. First of all, we would come up into these northern towns with two kayaks on the roof of a small SUV, and people would be like, 
what the hell are you doing? And we're like, ah, we're going out that way. <laughs> and, uh, and one night, so we did go out on the bay. And uh, because we were on a budget, your dry suit was some a dry suit that had been gifted to me. And little did I not know that it had a hole. And so the temperatures are hovering uh, around freeze, and the water is also hovering around freezing point. And at one point, the the water got so sh- shallow because the tide went out that we couldn't paddle. So we had to drag our boats along this like three inches of water because we're kilometers from any deeper water. Shit. And after about an hour, you're in a really bad mood. And I'm like, what's going on? And you're like, we got to find somewhere. And I'm like, why? You're like, I've had water in my dry suit for like the last hour. And I'm like, dude, why didn't you tell me? That's like crazy dangerous (laughs) so so we found like this tiny little mound that was just protruding enough from the water by like two inches and uh there was a just one bush coming out of it and i cut it with my axe we put a tent there we threw i threw you in the well i didn't literally throw you but you jumped in the tent and and you started rubbing your feet and your leg because you know an hour of having glacial north atlantic water in your suit is not very comfortable oh and and parenthesis excuse me parenthesis before this happened it was already pitch dark on us and i i said i'm gonna go look and see if i can find any any solid land (laughs) that isn't four inches underwater and i need you to keep your headlight on because otherwise i can't see anything from where i came from so i would i i left left kaitsu the kayaks and i off i go and i i walk like 300 meters or something and i turn around and i can't his light your light is off and i (laughs) i'm like oh my god i can't see anything in any direction it's just it's like i'm in a black void in the middle of the night and i'm just wearing a dry suit and i'm petrified for a moment and i'm like kaitsu turn your effing light on (laughs) And I, I think was, there, I there was, was so pissed. I remember you have a video, right? I'm eating yeah. like so angry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was before. So you were getting back at me. Is that what you were really doing? <laughs> I, honestly, I don't remember. I, was, I just remember it being because because you love like starting at just as the sun is setting. <laughs> so and it's like yeah, like we never been there before. We don't know. What, we can't see anything, and you know my my foot is freezing and and there's no dry land and and uh yeah it's a lot of fun it was it was intense so we and and there's no you know we're in a part of the world that there is no rescue there's not like i'm gonna press my emergency beacon on my inreach and and by the time that anybody arrives i'm stone cold dead so so we are completely on our own and so so anyways, he turns his light back on and I had found just that little clump with a bush. I cut it with my axe. I put the tent on it and then I took the satellite phone uh, and called my girlfriend at the time. And I just asked her if she could check the tide because <laughs> if we were at, uh, at, depending on the tide, we were either going to get overwhelmed by water in the middle of the night or we were going to um, be okay. And, and it, it, we, were, we were actually fine. The water yeah. didn't didn't come up enough to overwhelm the tent. In the yeah. morning, we, we woke up and ice had formed around us in a lot of the spots where the water was was normally. And we we basically decided at that moment that it was kind of a 
death wish if we were to continue on. So we canceled and broke through the ice and paddled back to town. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was pretty crazy. And then that night, because of course we had nowhere to sleep, we slept on uh, park benches by the water. Oh, and, at the gazebo. At, in, under a gazebo. And in the middle of the night, cops would come up to us and they'd say, hey, how's it going? We're like, uh... With shotguns, ready to shoot. With shotguns. And they're like, don't worry. We're just uh, hunting a wolf that's in the area. (laughs) (laughs) So so I remember, like, we took, like, our pathetic knives and maybe, like, an arrow from a bow we didn't know how to shoot. Bow and arrow and an axe. Yeah, we slept hogging them. Yeah. (laughs) So all, all this to say... That you are accustomed uh, to type two fun. So I guess my last question on, on tonight's uh, interview would be, what what are the next plans? I know you were planning on doing uh, an adventure in northern Canada. Uh, what was that going to be about? And what, what do you think for the future? Are you done with running? Are you looking more for skiing? Um, I, I won't touch on this interview about your massive ski accident, snowboarding accident that that uh super hurt you <laughs> per se yeah well i mean that's that actually that's p- part of the what where my life is going right now uh, i did have planned these uh other leg and uh, running across yukon it was actually actually going to be pretty big because uh, two friends uh from whistler we, we're going to come along and film it mm-hmm. we're going to make a documentary out of it so we're getting a lot of support and momentum, even from uh, a tourism Yukon. But, you know, the whole pandemic and everything. And uh, What uh, pandemic? So this was going <laughs> to <laughs> was, was be a short... So I decided to, um, to break the whole 22,000 kilometers into smaller legs. So this was going to kind of like backtrack and actually run through Canada because I started at Montreal, which is almost at the border of U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was going to be just a two-month uh, run. It was, I think it was 1,800 kilometers. Um, but, Only. you know, I started my training. It was pretty steep training because I'm just coming, uh, you know, recovering from that accident that I mentioned. So I broke my femur and my uh, thoracic spine. And... Uh, and I realized that I wasn't ready. My yeah. knees start hurting. Uh, you know, my physio said, you have to stop everything you're doing and we're going to get you, you know, pain free, but, but we're going to start from square one again. Uh, that was, you know, like a week before day one for that leg. So, so all this to say that a massive snowboarding accident was and has been a big impact into your Absolutely. running career. Absolutely. Uh, what's next? I, I don't know. I'm still recovering. Um, I started playing hockey again because I'm, I'm super fond of hockey. I used to play when I was a kid in Mexico. Funny, funny story. But uh, yeah, so I started playing hockey again. I, I'm again snowboarding uh, for the first time. And uh, we'll see. Cool. We'll see what, what it takes me. Yeah. Well, whatever it is, I hope we have many more uh, backcountry adventures, as uh, you are definitely one of my favorite companions for all of this. But uh, likewise, uh, do do stay safe and uh, and thanks for coming to chat a bit about uh, running to the end of the world. Which, while it wasn't to the end of the world, it was still 
4,600. And did you say 53 kilometers? 56, yeah. 56, I was close. 4,656 kilometers. I think that's an incredible feat in itself. And I do believe uh, that is just a section of your incredible life. So thanks for chatting. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to share stories with you and to share these with, uh, you know, people uh, on your podcast is pretty awesome. So people can, you know, learn what other human fellows are doing. (laughs) Absolutely. And And I'm sure we'll chat again. And perhaps next time we'll chat all about our misadventures in our early years of getting out in the bush. Sounds good. All right. Take care, Kaitu. Bye. You too. Thanks. Well, that was lovely chatting with uh, Mr. Joseph Michael Kaitsu Liu. I really wanted to put on the podcast the video collage that was made because every TV network in Canada, uh, the U.S., and Mexico was talking about the man running barefoot uh, to the end of the world. And while he may not have made it to the Ushuaia in Argentina, he did make it 4,600 and 53 kilometers barefoot to Guatemala. I'm Roberto for the Expeditioners. I hope you'll join me tomorrow as I'll be chatting with Mr. Shay Emery, uh, ex-professional football player, Axwood uh, aficionado, Avalanche, which is like this crazy snowball fight business, <laughs> and man of, of many hats. Um, see you later. I'm Roberto coming to you from Whistler, British Columbia. Good night. Farewell.